welcome, 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 welcome to K-Drama School. I'm Grace Jung, your host. Folks, I've been kind of warning you guys about this for a while now, and I keep threatening and the... You know, I'm not going to say threatening. It's more just informing, informing while coming to a better understanding of what I am capable of doing at this time, given my energy levels, given my even my interest in watching Korean TV dramas. Honestly, it's just it's really like at a zero at this point. And so what I'm going to have to do is either switch gears and turn this podcast into just a personal podcast where I just talk about my life and my stuff and continue to interview comedians and have guests and things like that. Or I just update this podcast whenever I watch a show and that might be like, who knows? It could be like once a year or twice a year, three times a year, it might be very, very minimal. Because genuinely, like the last show that I watched, and this is the show I'm going to be talking about today, it took me a good month to watch. So here's what I'm going to do. Moving forward, I am only going to upload a podcast if and when I feel like it. That's really the only way to do this. Because this is all of all of this is my time, my resources, right? And so I can only do what I'm capable of. And I've just gone through so many changes in the last couple of years since I began this podcast. And I'm just no longer in a place where I am able to sit and watch TV for 10 to 15 hours straight. And it's shocking to me that I was able to do that all the time. Like that used to be my norm to sit and watch TV for 10 to 15 hours straight. Of course, the pandemic had exacerbated that greatly. But even before the pandemic, as all of you know, if you're a regular listener, I wrote my doctoral dissertation on Korean variety shows. I literally watched Korean variety shows nonstop. It was always on constantly. I watched 10,000 hours of it. And that's how I wrote my dissertation. So uh, this is all having to do with my own um, recovery journey. Uh, My regular listeners, you all know that I am deep in the throes of my trauma recovery journey. And I'm just at a point now where I can't deal with the drama, other people's drama. Genuinely, I'm just like, this is just where I'm at. And um That's not to say that I don't appreciate good television. I do. It's just right now, in terms of Korean TV dramas, there isn't anything that is hooking my interest. But I know that pretty soon, at some point, Netflix or Vicky or Disney or Apple or Hulu or whatever, somebody, Paramount, I mean, fucking somebody somewhere at some point is going to drop something that is going to grab my attention and shake me. And so until that day comes, I'm not going to release any more podcast episodes uh, related to Korean dramas. But I mean, if you guys are cool with me just, I mean, I could continue to do this um, weekly Monday drop in. I mean, I would like to. The only reason why I hesitate is because I guess I read a review on my Apple like reviews. Somebody wrote like a 
kind of a irritated comment saying like, oh, I don't like it when she doesn't talk about Korean dramas. And that is totally valid because I started this podcast as a platform to talk about Korean TV dramas. So if you're not getting what you want, then yeah, that makes sense. So I am saying all of this so that you are all aware that it will either be me coming into this every week, every Monday to talk about whatever it is that's on my mind, which I'm happy to do. But that does not necessarily mean that I might be talking about Korean TV dramas. I mean, I really might have to like go in and reformulate and rethink this whole thing, like reconceptualize this whole thing. Because also moving forward, especially once the book is out and I start doing the book tour, what I would love to do is to do uh, live K-drama school podcast recordings at venues and theaters across the country and North America and around the globe. That's what I would love to do with other comedians, of course. It's similar to what I did in Alaska a few a couple months ago. So I'd like to make that more of a regular thing and um, really turn it into a proper show, like a proper touring show. But yeah, I am no longer going to be binge-watching Korean TV dramas. And that's not to say that, you know, I'm not saying this to discourage any of you guys from doing it. You guys can do whatever you want, whatever you please. It's just I realize now that I'm no longer able to do it. My and my attention and my energy levels are just at a point where they can't handle like excessive stimuli and I just have to be real and I have to honor my feelings and I have to honor where I'm at. Because if I don't and I continue to do it, then it just becomes an abusive relationship with myself. Hello. I mean, and that's ridiculous. That's really like that's so ridiculous. So, yeah, I'm going to be thinking about it. And um, you will know like by next Monday if I've decided to continue to update my podcast every week, every Monday doing my my spiel or if I'm going to be uh, dropping only K-drama related podcast episodes randomly, intermittently, like very, you know, in a way that's unpredictable. So we're going to have to, I'm going to have to think on it. Yeah. So yeah, I'm just letting you guys know that there are some changes in the works at the moment. Winds of change, right? I mean, that's that's what's going on with me. The show I'm going to talk about today has actually a lot to do with the theme of what I'm talking about. Um, if what I'm talking about is self-love, then this is quite relevant, actually. So this show is called Lost. This is a K-drama that came out in 2021 on JTBC, and it was celebrated and marketed as the 10th anniversary show for JTBC, the network, the cable network. So Ha Jin Ho is the director of this show. And Ha Jin Ho is, he's a filmmaker. He's known for making movies. And he's known for making like very melodramatic movies. He's kind of very, he's like known for um, melodrama in cinema. Yeah. Uh, but he's also like a very diverse filmmaker. He can do like period pieces. He could do something like very modern. He could do like a sappy tearjerker. Uh, he could do action. He's very like... Um, yeah, he, he's got range as a filmmaker, but he's primarily known for melodrama. He's excellent at pulling out the melodrama from his actors and from the screen. The show stars Chun Do-yeon and Ryu Jun-yeol. And this is like a very weird pairing. And I remember talking about this kind of like off the cuff 
you know, randomly just kind of like mentioning it. I hadn't seen the show yet, but I was like initially a little freaked out because Chun Doyan was like pushing 50 at this point and Ru Junyal is like mid 30s. So I was just like, this is odd and weird. I don't know. It's, it was like making me uncomfortable. <laughs> uh, it was just like, yeah, I was like, I don't know about this. But actually, I really liked the show. Yeah, I had to take it slowly because it's a lot. But I quite enjoyed the show. There were so many moving monologues on this show. And it was very well written. The writer is uh, Kim Ji-hae. I don't know what other shows she's done. But really beautifully uh, written monologues. Very nuanced. Like very, very, you know, realist slice of life. But insightful, you know. Just I thought the writing was stellar for this. So what do we have? We have... uh, a host bar player and a gigolo named Kangje. So for those of you who don't know what a host bar is, I might have mentioned this, I can't remember, but a host bar is basically a bar where you got all these men, all these guys. It's like a club, right? So you can go in there and go into a norebang, like a separate room to go and sing. And like these hosts, these playboys, like dressed in like cute outfits with slick back hair they're like basically uh idols okay like k-pop idols or a lot of these guys were former k-pop idols in training and they became this because they couldn't pursue what they set out to pursue so they end up becoming male escorts essentially all right so that's what a host bar is it's where wealthy women go to luxuriate and be pampered by these young boys okay and one of these uh you know um clients is aran who is a she's an actress she's an actress and she's also a book author and aran goes there for emotional support you know she goes to this bar regularly for emotional support and the guy there who runs the bar he's like been her long-term companion he's very protective of her you know he's kind of like a like a knight or something He's kind of got that gallant, chivalrous, you know, sort of vibe about him. And he's doing this for a a married woman, right? And she's also a TV star. You know, she has a reputation to uphold. So she always goes through the back door, right? So there's kind of like this shame aspect cloaked over this whole thing, right? So it's definitely like going to a host bar is highly stigmatized right they're like oh like you're one of these bitches who like goes and pays boys money to get affection you know and honestly the way i see it it's like do what you need to do no judgment like i feel like nobody should be shamed for that nobody nobody should be shamed for seeking comfort out of their loneliness you know And I don't know, like some people like me, like I go to therapy. Others, they need to go to these kinds of clubs and find somebody to listen to their fucking problems. So I say like there's no shame in doing this. However, it is like a form of uh, prostitution. There's emotional, you know, labor that's mostly emotional labor, but sometimes it can be physical, right? So like it would not be out of reach to say that hosts are sex workers, all right? Now, are there hostess bars? 
Absolutely there are. These host bars are based off of hostess bars, okay? And it's like as women in South Korea are reaching a higher income level, they've been able to go to more host bars and host bars became more proliferated around the cities, if you if you catch my drift, right? So it's really money that's dictating this whole thing. Uh, there's this documentary that came out in like early 2000s. Uh, it's 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 about Japan and Japanese host and hostess bars and what these people do at both of these places. It's really fascinating. I recommend it to all of you. I can't remember the title right now, but if you basically type host and hostess bar documentary Japan, it's going to come up. It's got like a really long and weird title, something like happiness space of love or blah, blah, blah. It's like a weird and funky title. But that film, that documentary definitely shows you like the emotional complications as well as the economic complications of what a host bar is, that realm. Okay. So, Kangje. Right, uh, Ryujunyeol's character Kangje is a former host bar player. All right, and he eventually became a gigolo. So he's basically working as a gigolo now, like tending to older women who are, you know, like married but neglected. Da da da. But he also runs his own service. All right, it's like a company where he works as a stand-in, uh, who, who like for people who need attendees. Okay, so there are people who hire people like Kangje in South Korea to attend weddings and funerals and other meetings, like to pretend like they're a girlfriend or a boyfriend or a friend or whatever, just to show other people that they are not a loser. I know that might sound cruel, but that is literally the reason why this service exists. And it's not, it's not different from what Kangje used to do as a host bar player. As a host bar player, he would go and hang out with lonely women who were out to have fun. And they, the women want to forget about their problems. So he would go and sing with them, like open champagne and dance with them, flirt with them, kiss them, sleep with them. He would do whatever to entertain people to make them feel like they're not alone. Right. And there's this beautiful monologue that Kangje gives. Kangje gives so many beautiful monologues throughout this show, like especially the letters that he writes to his father. But there's this one thing that he says to Pujang, uh, who's the female protagonist played by Chan Doyan. He says this to Pujang. He says, like, when I was a young boy, I remember this feeling like in my chest. It felt like a, a cold stream just like rushing down my chest. And, you know, it was so it made me so blue and it made me long for my mother, even though my mother was right in front of me. And it's like when your mother's there, but you're still longing for a mother. What is that feeling? Right. So he's he's talking about this existential loneliness, this deep existential longing for something. What is that? And of course, it's love. Love is the answer. But it's like he was kind of awakening to that longing, to that desire, right? And yeah, like everybody has that. Everybody has that. And they run away from that feeling, that deep, cold longing, that existential longing. They run away from it by getting drunk at host bars and hanging out with young boys that they pay money to, right? And so... This guy, Kangje, like his service is just so fascinating. It's got so many layers of meaning right there about 
the human condition and humanity and addiction and what human beings do to avoid their problems, right? To avoid their loneliness and to pretend like they are themselves not alone, as if being alone is like a shameful thing. So they hire stand-ins, yeah, to attend weddings, funerals, meetings, pretend to be a girlfriend, pretend to be a boyfriend, yeah. Fascinating stuff. Fascinating stuff. Okay, so the other character, we have Pujang, who is a ghostwriter and a literary translator. Of course, she wants to be a writer of her own, but this is a job. And she was recently fired. She recently had an, a, a miscarriage. Her husband was cheating on her, and her father is sick. So... Things are not going well for Pujang. Yeah, like she's really hit, she's hit rock bottom. And there's this really gut-wrenching, heartbreaking scene when she's like telling her dad that like, you know, she's lived all these years and she hasn't accomplished anything, you know, that she's a nobody, right? And she's like confessing to her father like how ashamed she is for not having achieved anything, right? And like I'm I'm feeling this pain, like this emotion rise up in me right now just as I say this because it's like bitch it's not true. It's not true, you know? You're just down in the dumps right now. It feels like you haven't done jack shit, but you've done a lot. Done a lot. She technically wasn't fired. She technically quit. But it's like more or less getting fired, right? I mean, she was humiliated in her office when Aran, the actress lady who Pujang was ghostwriting her book for her memoir. Yeah. Aran shows up at Pujang's office one day and just beats the shit out of her in front of everybody. Oh my gosh. It's like, what the fuck? You know? I don't know. Like these diva bitches, like, dude, don't hit people. Like, don't be abusive, right? Like, who the fuck tolerates that? If I were Pujang, I would have sued the shit out of Aran. It's like when when people like that get away with it. That's when it keeps going. That's how it perpetuates. Like, no, sue her. Sue her for everything she's got. She had no right to hit you and scream at you and humiliate you like that. Oh, fuck that. But in any case, Pujang just quits. She just quits her job, you know. And it's because she had a miscarriage. And the miscarriage was caused by, later as it turns out, it was caused by a violent act committed by Aran's husband. Okay. Um, so in any case... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, Pujang is such a tragic character, okay? So, what does Pujang start doing, right? Because she's got this, like, angry, rageful energy stirring inside of her. What does she do? What do you do with that energy? She goes online and starts trolling Aran. Oh my god. This grown-ass bitch. Like, 40-something-year-old lady. She is online trolling a woman that she used to work with. Yeah. Like, writing the most, like awful things like telling her to go die telling her i hope you have the most miserable life like just writing awful shit and she has no shame about it like she doesn't feel guilty about it not in the least okay and she's just like defiantly okay with it and to that here's what i'll say to that um in pujang's case i'm on her side yeah I am on her side because what Aran did was it was like fucking cataclysmically awful. And what can Pujang do? She's like helpless to it all. Again, I don't know why Pujang didn't just sue her. I would have just sued her, you know. But uh, instead, Pujang like just takes it like, you know, 
is just online comments like that's that's her only way of coping with it and managing it and it's weird and petty but it's like okay that's what she's this this is what's giving her relief right now okay so yeah girl go you go and do you and don't be ashamed and whatever right and oh my god like think about what that's doing to people in terms of like thinking about trolls and online commenters all right like on generally speaking people do not condone commenting and trolling online like if you're a, if you're a negative commenter and if you're a troll then you're i mean you're we're calling you a troll like a troll is not something to be proud of right it's a negative thing but in Pujang's case she's like the lead protagonist and she's embracing this identity she feels like she very much has the right to be this troll and it's not like willy-nilly it's not like randomly directed and firing in all different directions no she has a very specific target and that target is a woman who caused her a miscarriage <laughs> losing her job you know just like costing her a lot costing her her face basically yeah there's a scene when Pujang's in the stairwell on the phone with Aran just yelling at her saying like I feel so humiliated that I want to die all the time. Yeah, and Pujang is suicidal. She is suicidal. A lot of these people are suicidal for sure. So suicide is very much a theme. Everybody, pretty much everybody on this show feels trapped in some way. They feel trapped inside their hearts. And it's like what's going to unlock you? What's going to unlock you to freely love and freely just be you. Think about Pujang's husband. Pujang's husband is like I mean, he's a he's a good guy as in, you know, he brings home the bacon and he tries to do right by his wife, but he's also a cheater, right? Like he emotionally cheated on Pujang even though he didn't sleep with, sleep with the lady, he did emotionally cheat on her and that is humiliating for a wife. And then he continues to have the affair with his um ex-girlfriend yeah and it's like dude just go like just go and be with that woman you love okay like just go and be with her don't stop yourself right and gosh I don't know I think perhaps the answer to like what what is with this like cold stream down our chest the answer is just love freely like love without giving a shit about who says what like whatever judgments or attack that comes your way like if ara needs to go and find love in in a host bar go there's no shame about it if pujang needs to find love from this jigolo kid named kangje go there's no shame about it if this guy wants to leave his wife and be with his ex-girlfriend go there's no shame about it if you stop yourself from getting to the thing that you love out of shame or out of social necessities or blah 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 who gives a fuck yeah you're gonna be depressed i mean that is like that is literally like at the core of this show i mean that's the heart of the show that's the core message of the show lost in some aspects it's a tad tedious it's a tad dreary i'm not going to lie it's very dreary there are not that many moments of humor like 
at least, you know, um, if I were to compare this show to something that I've seen and loved, it would be a comparison to my Liberation Notes because my Liberation Notes is also Slice of Life. This show, Lost, is also Slice of Life. They they share this sort of like realist sort of thing, uh, but, you know, deeply kind of philosophical and heady and indulgent, you know. But at least in my Liberation Notes, there were many, many moments of humor, right? Like you had these like weird and interesting zany characters and you had the humor thing like happen throughout. On this show, Lost, there's like nobody, nothing funny about it. Ryu Junyeo's character, I mean, he's got kind of a breezy sort of coolness to him that sometimes ignites humor. But for the most part, like... It's very dreary. And I think that's the reason why this show did not do well. Yeah, even though this was a 10th anniversary show and they got big stars on this show. I mean, like like I said, Chun Doyan, she's like up here, you know? And Ryu Jin like these days, he's like up here too. Yeah. So, and, and Hajino, like everybody loves Hajino. So it's like, why did the show not do as well as people expect? It's because it's a bummer, bro. It's a fucking bummer. That's why. That's why. So, I don't know. Maybe that's also the reason why I'm, like, running out of steam these days, watching Korean dramas, binge-watching them. It's like, okay, like, I want entertainment. I also want inspiration, and I want to be moved, and blah, blah, blah. But, like, don't fucking bring me down to the dumpster, you know, and make me not want to live afterwards. Goodness gracious. Uh With all that said, uh, I think the show is very beautifully crafted, you know, like the music and like the mise-en-scene, the the pacing of the show, the cinematography, honestly, all of this was like very, very beautiful and I appreciated it. I also loved the clothes that Eugenio was wearing. He was wearing some fancy ass shit and I was like, yo, I'm into it. I'm into it. So you have the actress Son Naeun. She is playing Min Jung, who is a former K-pop star. Son Naeun is part of A Pink, right? I don't know K-pop very well, but yeah, online it says she's part of A Pink, and uh, yeah, A Pink, huge, right? Naeun is playing a woman named Min Jung, who used to be a former K-pop idol trainee, and she's at a point where like her stardom did not pick up. She didn't get anywhere with her career goals and she's now too old to continue to be a trainee and so she's kind of stuck in this limbo space and it's like very frightening I'm sure because like this idol like she dedicated her whole youth to becoming a k-pop star I mean she like gambled her life into becoming a star and it didn't work out and it's like well what do you do now you know, like you're a pretty face, you're a pretty face. And you had kind of a, a steam kind of building and rolling with, with the whole K-pop thing, but like it didn't quite hit. So what's going on? So she becomes a YouTube vlogger and she becomes a, a stand-in, right? She's also like a hostess stand-in for, for Kangja's company. And she's like trying to audition and, and become an actor, but like nothing's quite working out. So she doesn't have a steady income stream. Yeah. So she's like a houseless young woman who vlogs while she's, you know, at a PC bang, like for days, days at a time. She's a very interesting character. Like, oh, there are similarities to Pujang's situation and Naeun's situation, right? Like Pujang lost her career, like a stellar career. A woman who's very highly educated, she lost a st- stellar career, and now she's working as a house cleaning lady. And in Min Jung's case, it's the same thing. It's like, well, what do you do now? 
what do you do now? How do you make an income? How do you make a living? How do you how do you go on living after realizing that your dreams are not going to quite pan out the way that you expected it to? I don't know. I was a little bit sad to see Min Jung give up on everything so soon because like, you know, late 20s, I don't think that's like a a death sentence. Yeah, it's just a mentality. Like if you decide to think that 29 is super fucking old, then yeah, that is a death sentence to yourself. But it's not. 29 is actually quite young, you know? Anyway, um, yeah, fascinating characters all around. Fascinating characters, a lot to think about, a lot to share. But for now, that's all I have to say about it. <laughs>